Welcome once again to Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End chat. Everything about Glasgow's West End and beyond. My name's Jim Byrne and the Pat in the title is Pat Byrne. And this is episode 70. In this episode I interview the musician and songwriter Stephen Bull. He talks about his life as a musician and about his latest project, which is called Nebula Tuesday. Nebula Tuesday combines literature and music to tell a mysterious tale set on a remote Scottish island. Stephen's been a professional musician for quite a while and he's been signed by an indie record label, so he tells us a bit about that, that story and the ups and downs of the music world. I should say this is actually the second time I've interviewed Stephen. The first time was a bit of a disaster. I went to his studio, did an absolutely fantastic interview, and then at the end, my external disc detached itself from my computer, and that great interview kind of drained away into the ether. So I was very pleased to have the opportunity to meet up with Stephen again to uh, to grab our interview. I interviewed him in the uh, Waterstones up in Sucky Hall Street in Glasgow. I had actually grabbed uh, a nice quiet corner up at the very top of Waterstones in the cafe, but my timing was, uh, was out because just as Stephen arrived, we got thrown out of there because there was an event on. So we had to go downstairs. Anyway, hopefully that won't uh, won't spoil your enjoyment. I'm sure it won't. So here's my interview with musician and songwriter Stephen Bill. Uh, hi, my name's Stephen Bill. Uh, I'm a musician, songwriter, and producer from Ayrshire in Scotland. Um, yeah, and I'm here today to speak to you, Jim. Okay. I know you're a musician. Yeah. I know that you get a studio. That's right. And you're yeah. recording local folk. That's right. Uh, yeah. And you've been playing in bands for a long time. So I'm kind of interested how you, how did you ever get into music in the first place? I mean, that's a good question. Um, I think it started when I was a kid, Jim. Um, right. We always had a record player in the house, mm-hmm. and my mum and dad had quite a, a big record collection. Um, okay. They would put the radio on in the mornings instead of TV, so this was before, you know, 24-hour news cycles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so the radio would be on. Uh, there was a piano as well. My mother's um, grandmother left her a piano after she died, so my sister played the piano. She was at piano lessons. Right. And, um, they encouraged me to go as well, so it was, that was about maybe five, six at that time, you know. What, what kind of decade are we talking about here? That was the 70s, yeah. <laughs> the late 70s, I must say. <laughs> right. yeah, but it's a while ago now. Right. Um, and the weird thing was, I, I kind of, I went off learning music as a kid because it, to me there was a kind of barrier. Came in, um, I went to piano lessons and I was asked to draw the treble cliff oh, right, know, along okay. the along the stave. And I remember looking at that the way I drawn it as a five year old, and then the way it was in the sort of printed manuscript and thinking, I can't do music. Right, you, know, you thought I, music was something to do with drawing. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, I got into drawing for, right, for maybe the okay. next four years, heavily into that. And right. so I was always kind of introspective and quite artistic as a kid so okay. but then about when I was about 10 I, 
I did a thing called, I think it was called the Bentley test, so it was, it was an ear training test at school, they try to identify students that would maybe be good candidates for learning an instrument, because I think, uh-huh. you know, resources were quite tight. Um, That's really still interesting, because yeah. I've never heard of that. Never heard of that. Never heard of the Bentley test. It definitely happened at our school because I think my sister had passed it. She was the year above me, so right. I was keen to sort of get involved yeah. in the same thing, you know. Um, well, well, not to take you off the path there, mm-hmm. but I've got a related thing that yeah. you made me think about there. When okay. I was in primary school, mm-hmm. and and I, I kind of grew up in Claybank, which was a fairly poor area, but in our primary school they had, I think it was like two violins. Yeah. So the way that you could either play an instrument in my school or not play an instrument in my school was that you had to go and be measured for the, to, for the violin. For the violin, physically, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they had violins at our school right, well, at we all. had a violin, yeah, and so yeah. I went down. So you, you guys had two violins? We had two violins right. in the school. Okay. So I went, and apparently it didn't fit me. Right. And that was the end of my end school of music career. Yeah. <laughs> no, that reminds me of something as well. I think at 15, I'd, I'd expressed an interest in learning the violin. Right. And I went to the music teacher and she said, no, um, we have to we have to get them young so that your bones grow into the shape. All oh, right, okay. okay. So I took it up later anyway. Right, okay. I, you know, I ended up gigging with the violin. So, right. you know, I think we spoke about this before, Jim. There are barriers to, to music and they shouldn't, yeah, really, shouldn't really be there. Yeah. You know, but... Who's to see how we fix that? I don't know. Yeah, that's right. No, that's interesting. I don't remember getting tested, mind you. So yeah, it was a, it was like yeah. an ear t- the Bentley test. I'm yeah. sh- I'm sure it was called that, and they would play a note and they say yeah. the next note higher or lower, oh, right, or they okay. play two. Right. How many notes can you hear? Or well, that sort of thing, you know. I mean, I did get tested in a slightly less formal manner mm-hmm. because again, I was interested in music as a kid as well, but I went to audition for the choir. Mm-hmm. No, I mean that's sound now. I'm not the best singer in the world, right? So I went to the choir, and the way they tested you, you so there was four, you're all singing along. The teacher would come and put her ear right next to you. Of course, as they're, as they're doing it, you're getting quieter and quieter, you know? <laughs> and decided that I was a terrible singer. Yeah. Get pulled at the... <laughs> the, the, the shepherd's the choir, they pull you off the <laughs> Back to class. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's got, good. So there you go, that's my testing yeah. story. Well, I think, I mean... The way they organised at the school with the education and music, I think for me at the time they were playing music that wasn't really relevant to the stuff mm-hmm. I was listening to. And when I heard certain sort of guitar records, I had a guitar, but I couldn't really play it. And yeah, yeah. I had an old beautiful acoustic. I think I could play D and G, and you know, I heard Guns and Roses. And I thought, how come yeah. his guitars? <laughs> Sounds like that, mine's doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And that was the start of me getting fascinated with it and getting into it and, right. and trying to write and sound yeah, in a particular yeah, way, you know. And but the artists I remember listening to as a kid were stuff like Kate Bush and um who else, you know, it's just sort of contemporary. People were in the charts, pop, they? Oh, they were in the sixties. And then when I was older I got into the sixties, funnily enough, because I had relatives that were big Beatles fans. Yeah. Then I got back and listened to Led Zeppelin. You know, that sort of stuff. Uh, so it was guitar-based mm-hmm. most of the time, you know. Uh, but then I learned the fiddle when I was older, so I was exposed to sort of folk, quasi-classical, mm-hmm. not really good enough to play to that high level, but definitely was exposed to that in a way that I, I don't think I would have been if I had just yeah, And that's continued. influenced the music you play now? Well, I'd like to think so, but I'm, yeah. I'm not so sure. I mean, right. I think... I, I, I still believe that, you know three chords in the truth sort of thing that, yeah, that, yeah. that's the way to go because I think good accessible pop music or contemporary music 
isn't really complicated, and I think that's no. part of the, the appeal, you know. But you can, yeah. Th- th- there's exceptions, you know. I mean, I, I can see the appeal in that, and I can see the kind of the, there's some truth in it. But I'm kind of always thinking, well, different strokes for different folks, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's great, but people sometimes want more of a challenge. Mm. You know, than, than three chords and the truth. Absolutely. <laughs> they want some, and it's not because it's, the more you music, because I think we spoke about this the last time, actually. Yeah. It's to do with the brain, the way the brain works. You can only listen to simple harmonies for so long before you get bored of them. Your brain needs more more challenge, mm. and that only happens by listening to music and learning music, and, and uh, you become tired of it. Yeah. So you need a, a greater challenge. Well, I think so, I could, so you need yeah. the, you need the gamut of mm-hmm. simplicity to complex. Absolutely. For the folk that. Yeah. Have, Got to that point. I think I read somewhere in yeah. a jazz guitar book that uh, repetition and variety right. is what keeps the listener interested. So you're right. I mean, it can yeah, all be yeah. your candy. Yeah. Candy. There must be some sort of yeah, development right. of an idea. Yeah, does, but a good analogy I heard yeah. from one of my colleagues who plays piano. He says, "Look, I'm not arguing against that. No, no, no. Yeah, but, but he said, look, there's only 26 letters, but think yeah. of the number of books yeah, that have been right. written. So yeah. in music, well, you've got 12 notes, yeah. but the, the kind of possibilities that's or right. combinations are you're right, you're right. sort of endless, you know. But yeah. I think. I think what can make music more interesting is is the lyrical aspect, because what people what, what pop music really seems to be talking about just now is I love her, she loves me, mm-hmm. he loves her. Do you know, it's it's quite. Um, but I suppose that appeals to people at a certain age. But you know, you don't really see lyrics with depth as much anymore because it seems to be kind of almost frowned upon. It maybe it's because we're living in difficult times. Mm-hmm. I've no idea. Maybe, you know, when times are better. I think in the, ni- the 90s and the, the 60s, there seemed to be a more kind of developed lyrical narrative, you know, which which is something that, you know, in this this thing that I'm talking to you about today, Jim, I really wanted to try and develop something that had a wee bit more yeah. thought behind what yeah, I was yeah. speaking about rather than just yeah, yeah. a song about my life or, yeah, yeah. you know, what how I was feeling, because really that's, that's only really relevant to me, you know? yeah. yeah. Just to kind of get some thread through this, so when you're a kid, uh, you're saying you know, your sister played the piano. That's you're, right, yeah. You were getting a bit of music in school. Yeah. But you became a professional musician at some point, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. So when I did. did that kind of happen? When did that transition? Happen? Well, I got an education and I was encouraged to do it, and I'm really thankful I did that. Um, I think it really equipped me for a lot of different things. It made me a, quite a persistent person, and it, you know, opened my mind and met different people. Um, but it was really sort of determined to, to try and make a living out of music and mm-hmm. started off teaching the guitar in my twenties, uh, I moved to England, got on BBC radio, uh, doing the original stuff and then uh, out the first of many times the band split, came home. What got, was the name of your band at the time? Um, what was that band called? Static, I think the first band was called. What kind um, of music was that? Oh, uh, sort of folk rock, you know, right, okay. we, were, we were working as a sort of acoustic sort of trio down there, we did well but um, band split, I had to come home, fell into another band which is really kind of still the thread of the band I'm in just now, um, called the Mojo Cams and we did well, uh, got interest, major labels, minor, uh, independent labels, signed by an indie label, toured all about, um, got some big support, so that was when it really sort of what age were you when that was all happening uh, well I was probably early 30s then you know so so yeah uh, what, 2003 something mm-hmm. like that yeah well I mean it's not 
It's not that many people that get signed, no. whether it be an indie yeah, or a major yeah. label. So how did that happen? Well, the, the guy who was in charge of us, um, see, all along in the journey we've had to sort of, you know, there's different types of gigs, you know, there's, there's gigs where you would do for exposure or to get new music out, and then there's gigs, you know, if you're, you're working as a gigging musician, you've, you've, you've got to pay the bills, so... so. It was really, it was really difficult to maintain either, mm-hmm. you know. So you sort of like jack of all trades, master of none, doing both. And, um, but we were lucky in that one of our friends who had come to see the band that we were doing covers on, uh, liked the album we'd done. We self-funded. We went through the, a new deal scheme for musicians that was right, in okay. place by the government then. So they were, they were sort of pushing it. Um, is that 1980s, 1990s? That, that was that was early 2000s, I believe. Oh yeah. right, yeah. Right, right. Um, early 2000s. And we. You know, we got the chance to to save up the money we'd done for the gigs, so we kind of quasi self-employed before being a startup, and uh, we got a chance to go in and record. It took us about six months, mm-hmm. um, spent a considerable amount of money doing it. And one of our friends' uh, partner was actually road uh, manager for a band called Mountain, mm-hmm. and uh, he sent it out to record labels. And the guy it was actually the guy in charge of Shania Twain at the time. All right, was interested, so. That's but it fell through at the last minute. So, that's but amazing. Yeah, it was great. I mean, we, we, I remember getting the phone call and my, my head spun and I thought, wow, this is it. I'll be working for this for years and years. But yeah. it fell through. And uh, really what happened, that, that kept us going for another 10 years because you thought, well, one person's yeah, interested yeah. in yeah. someone else. Is good. But I think at that time, the music business started to change. You know, with the rise of Napster and the internet, things, you know, yeah. bands really weren't getting invested in the way that you know, the model had been for, for 30 years, so, yeah. you know, so, yeah. I think in a way today it's easier, but it's more difficult, you know, it's it's, it's more accessible, but it's harder to get people's attention. Yeah, there's more people doing. can do their own thing. That's right. Uh, it's harder to get attention because more people are doing their own thing. Get out. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a way to get your music out there called the internet and the mm-hmm. web, mm-hmm. but there's more people doing the same thing. That's right. <laughs> And there's an attention deficit Correct. for people listening. Yeah. So, so in some sense, there's a bit about it that's not changed, yeah. which is that you still need to put a huge amount of energy and money into breaking somebody. Yeah. And that still tends to require yeah. a record label. Absolutely. You know? yeah. 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 So we can all do our own things. So I think that you know, social media is perhaps a filter yeah. for, for yeah. the record companies and the fact that they don't have to really do the in a lot because yeah. the internet well, is right. sure. You're right, when there is a bit of attention, on uh, an independent band that's when the record labels sniff out yeah. these people they don't tend to develop artists themselves anymore no, that's certainly that's one of the things yeah. that's changed yeah. they'll see somebody that seems to be getting popular and then they'll come in that's right. they wouldn't employ somebody because they're talented no. and think well I can make them popular because <laughs> they're good <laughs> they don't think that <laughs> no. no absolutely not mm. I suppose it saves them time it saves them money yeah that's true you know that's true so, so this is the, the two, early 2000s? Yeah, uh, started, I was, uh, became a sort of self-employed musician in 2003. I've uh-huh. uh, been doing that. and uh, The band continued to about 2012. We got signed right. an indie, indie deal in London. That's quite a long um, time, actually, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, well, it was on and off, because as I say, we, you know, I had to pay bills and do different things. And, but we kept it going, and we signed an indie label in London. Um, we went and recorded with them, and then the band split again, so... I found myself sort of stuck in a publishing deal that I couldn't get out of. Right. Um, and I thought, right, I'll just put something out myself. And my sort of lawyer said, no, you can't do that. I said, what do you mean you can't do it? Well, we told you that there was 
things in this contract you shouldn't really have signed. Oh, you signed something. So we did restrict yeah, well, it. Um, ah, right, okay. It's because we thought, you know, it's, I think at that point it was our last kind of push. It's yeah. always the last push. It was the last push in 2000. Yeah. It's the last push yeah. in 2000. But anyway, so my, my career was sort of nuked and ended up with a, a, a recording in a, in a band that I couldn't promote and, a, and a, can you do anything? I was stuck, and, but I had all this stuff that I'd done and all these different experiences, and I thought, right, do I quit or do I try and, you know, use my skills in some sort of way? So I went to Creative Scotland and spoke to them, and mm-hmm. says, look, you know, what do you think? I'm, I'm thinking of doing a project. So they, they were interested, and I applied for funding to to do a recording mm-hmm. project, which is the one we're speaking mm-hmm. about today, mm-hmm. um, maybe on the Tuesday, right. and also to open a, a studio so that I could maybe mentor and help some artists in, in my area because where I live mm-hmm. in North Ayrshire Gym it's I think it's got the lowest participation in the arts in Scotland All right, okay. so there's a there's a, a deficit of venues there's a deficit of agents there's not really a scene you know it's like bars and karaoke it's difficult for bands and you know whenever we were recording we had to go to Glasgow or even London so if I can um, help Mm-hmm. So artists in that area and bring them through the studio and, and maybe, you know, cut out some mistakes they would make that I've made, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and push them on a bit. And when did you open your studio? When was, when was that? Well, we've, it really sort of happened um, when the recording project started, so that was about 2016. Right, okay. But it's only now that the sort of the delivery of the, this Nebula Tuesday project is sort of finishing up that. I'm, I'm really concentrating more on on that side of it. Yeah, I mean, I was in your studio. Yeah. Uh, whenever that was a month ago, whatever. And uh, I think it's a great. I mean, anybody that's got a studio these days. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's my happy place. It's like a great, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's like a playground or something. Uh, isn't it? When yeah. you've got a studio. I've got new stickers as well. I right. stuck on all my gear the other day, yeah. so it feels much yeah. more professional now. Yeah. And of course, you know, as you say, if it's an in an area that people are not been getting a lot of mm. opportunities. And that facility's not existed before. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great thing. You know, it's like, you know, and, and the great thing yeah. for me is, is meeting these people and, and their enthusiasm is yeah. just really contagious because yeah. they're at the start of their journey. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if they've been halfway through or maybe... They're getting an opportunity that you didn't have necessarily. That's right, so, yeah, yeah. You know, there wouldn't have been a, a local studio that was going to mentor you, yeah. you know, when you were a kid, probably, no, I would no. imagine. I, no, that I found, no. But, I mean, I spoke to some guys from the... I was actually at a wedding, I was the best man at a wedding there a week and um, two photographers were actually members of the first band I'd been in um, and they were saying, look, the scene's dying out, in ten years we don't see, I don't think, they were doing like sound and light as well for other oh, right. things, um, right. different venues, I said, look, in ten years time we're not really going to have bands coming through, it's all singer-songwriters with bank tracks and stuff like that, so right. that worried me a bit because back in the day, yeah. you know, Jim, there was yeah, yeah. a scene where bands would go, they'd yeah. play a smaller gig and then... Well, I've been part of that scene myself, yeah. you know, I've been yeah. up and down part of that scene mm. for too many years, I'm not even going to say. <laughs> but to be honest with you, I don't actually believe all these things about the scene's not going to be here. Well, Because, let's as you so. know, everything's a cycle. True. And uh, what's today's fashion for backing tracks and singers is mm. no tomorrow's fashion. No. So that might be coming in and it might be like that for a year. That's not to say that it'll be rock bands no. two years time. You no. know, you just don't let's, know. Let's hope so. Because I was speaking to somebody just the other day about this. Mm-hmm. Well, they were speaking to me, I suppose. I wasn't really thinking about it. But, and what was it they said? They said that they think... Uh, oh, I tell you what, it was a guy in the, there's a guy in the cafe that I tend to work in and he's in a, in a traditional sort of 
guitar, bass, drums band. And he said to me that so they've, they've, they've been signed uh, by Creation Great. for a single. Mm. And he said to me that the reason that they've been signed is because the record companies are starting to see a resurgence okay. in that type of music. Good. So, so rock bands are actually coming back. Great. Oh, that's the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> Absolutely. If rock bands weren't coming back, they wouldn't be getting signed. Yeah, true. true. So, and I mean, Alan McGee, he's yeah. got his, his exactly. finger on it. Exactly. It? So they know the way, where the wind's blowing. Yeah. Uh, well, as you say, it is a cycle because there's always a, a reaction. That, uh, yeah. And I hate this kind of speak, but the market gets saturated and then there's a, yeah. a movement against it. So, it, you know. And when, people, so when you get artificial stuff or, mm-hmm. or stuff without soul, yeah. people hanker against the real thing. Yeah. And then when you get the real thing, they hanker against something else. Yeah. So it just comes, it goes, wax and wanes. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think these things die. No. You know, particularly as these days, it's no like when I was a kid that you had a movement that lasted a certain period of time and it was replaced by another movement. Mm. It was replaced by punk, it was replaced by new wave, it was replaced by new romantics. Mm. It's not like that anymore. It's all out there at the one time. Now. That's right. Yeah, the, ger- the genres have yeah, sort of merged, did not they? So you get folk in their 50s or their 60s or their 40s. I, th- I think what these two guys were saying, though, and I yeah. totally take your point, I think yeah. part of what they're saying is this place is poorer. No, than it was right. 20 years ago right, in the sense right. that the infrastructure for bands yeah, yeah. isn't there you know there's no places they're going to go and play but it's going to be busy yeah, for mean, a start yeah, you know yeah. or yeah. are they going to get paid yeah. you know to take their equipment and I mean, I'm not talking about earning a living I'm talking about right, them right. actually getting to yeah, the place right. so, so in that respect I, I can see that being a problem but in taste of music no I think you're right it, it will I mean hopefully it will change yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's all moving in different directions at the one time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nobody in it. Nobody will say to you that you can make money from music by selling CDs or, no. or you know, that just doesn't work anymore. No. That's for sure. No. <laughs> no. But the live scene, on the other hand, mm. is where these artists are making their living. Yeah. So, and I, and I do believe, mind you, that most of the folk that are making a living have had some input in the past that have, that have built their audience. Yeah. It's very difficult to build an audience Absolutely. no matter what you do. Yeah, yeah. You do need input from folk that know what they're doing, I think. Yeah, yeah. The marketing. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I've read stuff where folk say all the stuff about how to do it. And then mm-hmm. it turns out, of course, that they had a record deal for a decade. Yeah. And they are an exception to the rule, you know? I mean, it's mm. exactly what you're saying with the, the music. The, the social media market is absolutely saturated yeah. as well, you know, so I mean I think I had I'd read um, some company in Glasgow was spending fifty thousand pounds a month on Facebook ads. Right. So how are artists gonna compete yeah, compete yeah. with that? That's true. <laughs> and CDs are free, you know, or yeah. downloads are free. I don't know, it, it really worries me. But what I'm concerned about is that the arts becomes a you know an exclusive Avenue for the privileged. Yeah. No, you're right. You and know, because they they're, they're not going to yeah. speak about what motivates normal and yeah. I use that word in the very commas normal people. Yeah. Their concerns are different. Their lives are different. Yeah. I mean, and I think most of the best culture or arts and music is coming from you know pretty desperate places. You know, like council yeah. estates and you know it's not coming for. Um, I don't want to single out a place, but you, no. you know what I mean. It's I know what you mean. That has definitely been a trend. Art, art mean, is a struggle, you know, and it, sh- it and should be a struggle, the yeah. Theatre and mm-hmm. uh, an acting, whatever, it's, that's been a trend. Yeah, that's my concern. Yeah. You know, I see that, and the politics of these people are going to be different. And I don't mean political party, I just mean their outlook. You yeah. know, that, that's concerning to me. Yeah, that's true. Because it, it's, it's not going to represent 
the population as a whole, you know. Yeah, well, goodness me, we could talk about that, but I don't want to dive into that. <laughs> <laughs> In case I get angry. <laughs> okay, okay, don't get angry. I wouldn't like you when you're angry. <laughs> so we'll, we'll just say we've okay, covered that. Reset, reset. <laughs> Take two. Okay, so so you you did the band thing, and I'm yeah. like, like I mean I'm I, I was in band. Like you as well, yeah, absolutely. People, it doesn't go out your blood, do you no. know. It went there for It was great. I loved you know, it. I mean, so, that, so it's not that you're still love it, yeah. being a musician or no, a songwriter no. or no. a producer or an artist, but you're, you've got this project that you're doing. Now. Yeah. So tell me a wee bit about the background to that. Well, as I say, it, it was a point when my career was nuked. I thought, what did I do? So um, I didn't really want to rely on a band. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I still, still love the guys I was involved with. Um, it was great. But I thought, right, I've, I've really got to do something a bit different here. So I, I, I proposed a collaborative nature, working with different singers and, mm-hmm. and different musicians. So that I think there's three different guitarists in the record, uh, three different singers. Um, but I sort of arranged and composed the music, and we did it in different places. It was quite, it was quite fun. It took a while, you know. It just be everybody sort of different. And where did you record that? Some of it was in Glasgow. Some was at my studio. Right. Uh, parts of it was in England. Right. Okay. Um, but. You know, you know, I was. It took a while. It was, it was quite a, a long process, and and I thought, well, this isn't really a band. And tell me a wee teeny bit. I mean, I'll tell you one for the folk that listen. Mm-hmm. I interviewed you about a month ago. That's right. Yeah. And I screwed up the technical side of it. Yeah. So the things, uh, things like what the, what the project is. Yeah. Would it, I probably asked you that question. The last time, yep, yep. and we're probably in our heads mm-hmm. thinking that We've that's already been covered. <laughs> <laughs> but for our listeners, it's not. Okay, okay. So tell me, what is the project? Okay, right. Well, the project. I mean, that's what I'm saying. How we sort of came to that was I was working with different singers and different mm-hmm. musicians. I thought, right, I'm, I don't see me really going out to gig this as a group. Yeah. Um, and I had one female singer involved and two male singers. And I kind of had bits of music and bits of words, and I thought, right. And then I was, I was feeling, I felt a bit like an outsider, and you know, I was really not in a good place. And I thought, right, I'm going to write a wee story with us. So I started off as a sort of concept album, and it kind of went for there. And then, really, what it's developed into is a sort of a play with music. But uh-huh. yeah, you could right. call it a musical, right. but it's a right. dramatic work with, right. with songs in it. So right. for me, the good bit was because. You know, I didn't really have the lyrics together. I was writing for the characters because mm-hmm. the way I'd always done it before was I was going to write about me and this and this way of doing it. I had to write in someone else's shoes, which is mm-hmm. probably what I should have been doing for the start. You know, right, writing okay. in the kind of third person sort of thing. And but um, I found it really challenging. But I, I'm really pleased with the exercise and and um, so it's ended up a sort of Nebula Tuesday. The work is a sort of uh, a musical, you know. Yeah, what uh, does the word nebula, the name Nebula Tuesday come from? Well, I don't really want to give away the story, oh, okay. Um, okay. but the, the Tuesday was a reference to the God of War, oh, and, right. and also to one of my favourite bands, the Happy Mondays. For it. and right. there was actually a thing. <laughs> somebody asked me this yesterday. There was a thing. You know how you have the keyboards with the different instruments, and you you, you jog through the sort of, uh-huh. and it comes up in the digital display. I kept using this patch called Nebula, oh, right, and I okay. thought, right, I, I like that. So right, that right. kind of stuck. Um, right. Yeah, and it was just 
they went they went for that, you know. Right, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> really quite um, a mundane explanation, but that's that's what happened, yeah. Okay. So so the it's a kind of uh, if you say like a play almost, but it's a music. It's Aye. music attached to a story. Which yeah, well, the, the, the th- the, it's basically a play with three characters, right. and, and it's based on a, an outsider who arrives in a in an island in Scotland. Um, but I'd like to stress that it could be it could be anywhere, um, right. and it says. So I was writing from the point of view of this sort of outsider who was sort of in trouble and bereft, and there's a female character he meets, and then there's a a bad guy who's actually the husband of the female character. So right. I wrote from the point of view of those those three characters, and um, yeah, uh, as I say, the lyrics was a challenging bit, um, okay. but I had a good, and, and I've tried to make the music a bit diverse. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've heard the CD and it is pretty diverse. You've got, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got kind of dance music. Yeah. You've got rock, bit of rock get yeah. guitar and yeah. stuff. You've got folk songs, yeah, kind of folky folk. songs, and you've but got that, the girl who's a fantastic singer. She's brilliant, yeah. Uh, what's her name again? Caitlin Smith. Caitlin Smith, yeah. yeah. She sings some of the more folky things. That's right, yeah. Which I think are absolutely fantastic. She's a beautiful totally singer, beautiful. absolutely. Privileged yeah. to work with her. Those are great, great songs. Uh, so it's a real diverse CD, mm. and I suppose if you're uh, doing something and you're thinking about it as a dramatic piece, mm. you're going to have that kind of different, you know, yeah, so different it's, sections. I, absolutely, to try and set a sort of mood for, yeah. you know, where where the story is yeah, at the yeah. time. So you've got the kind of folky thing, which, as you say, is in the island. You know, yeah. Thing. So I mean. I had the idea for the plot and, and the characters and the lyrics written and, and then I actually was fortunate enough to meet up with a local playwright, um, right. Marie Dunlop, right. who's actually just uh, published a, a play called Anderson, so it's a play about the sort of depopulation of the city centre oh, right, in okay. Glasgow in the, right. in the 60s. Right. It was a very interesting piece, I, I went and saw that last year um, and uh, she, she really helped me. Um, develop the, the full sort of script for the work. So we're going to we're going to do a, a rehearsal reading of it in uh, three weeks today on the twenty fifth of April. Right. So it'll be it'll be really good to see, you know, the, the whole thing together because all I've done at the moment is is read right. the script and hear the songs and right. to see it in sequence is, yeah, is yeah. going to be really. Yeah, yeah. Sounds exciting. Yeah, that would that will be good. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And so you're going to you're going to do a reading, but is it you're planning to put it on as a an event? Well, we, we hope to, but these things sort of happen in stages. And and, mm. and I'm not from the theatre world at all, Jim. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm dealing with people who are, and they tell me you know you have to do it stages, you have to research your audience, find your mm. market, the things okay. we've been talking about before. I mean, it's right, still okay. difficult to find yeah, yeah, yeah. your audience, you know, no matter yeah. sort of what you're doing. So yeah, but we're at a stage, but it's a good stage but because that's the plan, though, isn't yeah. It? Well, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Who's to say? But I'd, I'd love that to happen. But it's just it's just nice. I feel there's a kind of not a finishedness, but I kind of we've got to a, a destination and a journey, mm-hmm. and it's a nice one to see. Right, well, at least you know it went to that stage yeah, where yeah. somebody sort of put it on. You know, no, it sounds great. It's a great project. And I'm, thanks very much. You know, I, I would imagine having. I mean, I've been in it. Not exactly that. I've been some similar kind of things. And I, I loved it, you know, but anything that involves other people, that have got other disciplines, mm. but still in the creative kind of Absolutely. world. Yeah. I think it's, you know, you get a lot out of it, you know. <laughs> That's what you say, 10 writers, 10 lives. Well, ten, 10 writers, 10 yeah. lives, yeah. the one that I was involved yeah. in. Because uh, you're getting other people's input, and you're seeing 
it was with writers and yeah. poets that did, I was involved did, did you find that when you involved these other creatives that it took on another energy that it, totally and totally. it gave you another a real yeah totally took on another energy yeah uh, and it was one of the things is I mean I might agree or not agree but because I've been playing music and writing songs for over 40 years or whatever it is and uh, it's a very conventional activity a lot of the time yeah because you're, you're in your own head yeah you're in your own head yeah. so and it's very personal you kind of know looking up to the same extent whereas if you're involved in a project which involves in my case nine other folk yeah. you can't be like that yeah. <laughs> the, not only is the weight of the project off your mm. off your back because you're no the, the person uh, but this sort of community of the folk take some of that and add to the richness of the whole Absolutely. experience you know yeah. and, and they would uh, get other things out of it that you yeah. maybe hadn't seen as well that's right, yeah, that's and, right. And, and that actually happened to me yesterday yeah. it was a, a friend of mine had read one of the interviews about Nebula Tuesday and, uh-huh. and he was talking about, and he mentioned aspects and I thought that's great he's got yeah. what there was a bit in that that, that I'd, you know kind of insidiously said it was like it was inferred what I was saying but yeah. he sort of got it and he related it to what was going on and, and you know I found that pleasing and, and you know that for me the work is exciting in that sense because I, I don't want to say I've seen it coming but what's happening is, is, is you know it's been in the pipeline with, yeah. with the way uh, yeah, yeah. the culture's going because um, you mean the story of the yeah the play because the play. it really was written about the sort of the rise of populism and the right and, 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 and you know and stuff like that yeah well we can deny that that's how I'm doing absolutely um, yeah, you know and, and, and the joke the story about the outsider is, you know, it's a sort of juxtaposition. What, what if the enemy's within, you know? What if it's not really um, the outsider? And what, what if you're, you're the outsider? I mean, mm-hmm. how, people are people, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I think we should question people's motivations, but judge people by their deeds, you know what they've got or what they look like. I think that's important, and I don't think it's mm-hmm. been said. Uh, so we're living in this kind of false... Uh, imagery, yeah. you know. I mean, it's a very strange thing uh, when it comes to judging people uh, for their actions and for what they're saying and all that. Because just this is this flashes past my head every now and again when I see people pattern away on Twitter. If you if you are one of these people who's got a very right wing view and you are one of these folk that uh, you know you're a you kipper or whatever it is, and you, you don't like uh, black people or you don't, you don't like Muslims, or whatever it is. Now, we could condemn that person quite easily and then feel good about it. But how does that person end up with that action? What does that tell you or us about the society that person lives in, that they arrived at that place? What does it tell you about their education, about the opportunities they've had in life, about their background? You know, whose fault is it that that person has, has got those views? Whose fault is it that they hate black people or they don't like Muslims? What environment were they living in that they arrived at? And can we blame them for being that person? Yeah, that's a good point. So so it's not as simple as we first think when these folk pop up and we just give them, you know, hell because we don't agree with them. You've got to at least stop for a second and think, okay, well, maybe that person grew up in a house in the state. Reads a right-wing newspaper every day, 
and other, other pals also read that same newspaper and there's maybe seen people with attitudes that are saying the things that they're now saying. Mm. So they've been educated by the folk around about them and they've been educated by the media or yes. they've been educated by perhaps a lack of opportunity to, to go to further education and to learn a wider perspective. See, this is, I mean, yeah. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't know the answer either. I'm just sort of saying we sometimes, we sometimes need to stop blaming it's, folk. It's an explanation, but it's not yeah. a just justification. And I think... No, I'm not saying it is. No, no, no. I, and yeah. I know you're not saying that. But, but what, I would, what I would say is that's really art's important because what I've tried to do is say something in this without... I mean, I don't have the answers to, mm. to the issues you're speaking about. But if, if you can make people think about it, then... You know, as you, we spoke about this before, Jim. Yeah. Education surely must be the answer. Education you know. is the answer. Um, education is the answer. You know, I think what is really blatant that's not not really being spoke about is, I mean, they showed you on the news the banks took the money and the the, the reason they're living in, in, in sort of these uh, lives with lacks lack of opportunity and, and, and less money is because of this. Now, yeah. nobody's <laughs> hating them, and and I really think. People need to sort of question what really is going on. That, that, that's that sort of just juxtaposition. Who who is against these people? I mean, it's the people that don't care about them because they're only interested in, in money. And, and one of the characters in the in the play does represent that sort of yeah. look. You know, a despotic character's view in the sense that I'm wrong with money per se. But when it when it comes to that, it's put above human life or you know. It, Everyone seems to be motivated by increasing shareholders' profits. How is that sustainable in any way? I mean, it's you're just going to squeeze the bottom. Well, it's not sustainable, and no. there's plenty of folk writing about that very issue, saying yeah. it's not sustainable. Yeah. You know, when you, I mean, who's going to buy your your services and your products if they've not got any money? Nobody's going to buy them. I mean, obviously that's that incredible oversimplification no, no, no. of the issue, but there is a certain truth in that Absolutely. somewhere along the line, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is, we're in a place where the, the kind of truth has been uh, subjectified as well. There are still things as facts, but social media is not encouraging that well, because you've got 144 right. characters to, to mm. go through a complicated argument. It's, it's not going to work. No. And and you're, there's no way of communicating verbally with these people, so you're losing that sort of the empathy or the kind of exchange yeah. ideas. It's yeah. not a, a sort of polarised projection of yeah. you know, what your, your, your absolute core belief is not yeah, that's, that, that's not going to work nuance goes out the window absolutely and and you know we're living in it's oversimplified there's there's things like what we've been speaking about with the economy are being ignored so it's a I think it's really dangerous in, in the sort of political climate that people are you know they're going one way or the other it's like Jedi or Sith you know it's, it's, it's really really strange um, but I can see why it's happened yeah and I can you know which is why it's good that you're you're channeling all these things into a piece of art, basically. You know, I mean, that's that is what art is at the end of the day for a lot of folk. Is that uh, the zeitgeist, to, you know, sort of producing something that's a reflection of the world around you. Mm. So it's you know it's kind of timely. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily. Uh, I mean, I, I'm an angry person all the time. So and some of the art and songs that I write are angry but yeah. <laughs> because of it. Yeah, I'm I saying it's always a good thing. No. It's definitely not always a good thing. I think I, I, anger, if it's channeled, can be yeah. constructive. And, and really, really thank you for your words. That's really mm. kind. And but it's not up to me to to, to see how 
you know, there's no answers in this. Yeah. As you say, it's a reflection on, on a hope on, on what's happening. And, but it's, it's, it's also a kind of a kind of made up situation. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not really meant to be about anybody in particular. Mm-hmm. And, and as I say, it came out of my negative feelings I had about my life and music and you know stuff that's happened. But yeah. um, I, I feel it is quite apt. And, and if it can open the debate or have people thinking about it a wee bit or you know um, the, the, the music um, is ultimately what, what I'm interested in mm-hmm. but if, if it can have a, hold a wee bit more gravity mm-hmm. then that's mm-hmm. that's nice mm-hmm. you know that is nice okay I think we'll maybe wrap it up uh, so where can people either buy the CD or get some kind of access to the well, piece of art just to, <laughs> just to prove this is not a plug it's not in sale yet Jim so they can't buy the CD but they right. can hear some of the music on right. the band's website so okay. well I'll give you the address and sure can, do that just it, to it, it, there's no charge for that by the way <laughs> <laughs> so it's themojocams.co.uk so t-h-e-m-o-j-o C-A-M-S .co.uk and on there you can look at some of the videos we've done I think there's there's two or three videos um, we're also doing the rehearsal reading at the Harbour Arts so it might be a wee bit late for your listeners to, to come yeah. and see it but we hope to post the video of the reading if they want to watch right, it okay. and might observe the story so right. it's not a full production but it should give them an idea of the so story. is the reading like a public event? Yes, absolutely. Ah, yeah, right, there's, there's tickets that, right. on sale on right, the door. Yeah, it's not, it's not right. very expensive. So okay, where can they get the tickets? Just uh, at the Harbour Arts right, okay. on the night. Yeah, you probably told me I was you know, thinking something else. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So they can get the tickets at the Harbour Arts. Yeah, if they want to come along. Yeah. Uh, 25th, 25th, which is right. of April. 25th okay. of April. Right, well, thanks very much, Stevie, for Thank taking time much, out Sean. to tell me about it. Not a problem. Thank okay. you. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks very much, Stephen. What a what talented man. Uh, I recommend that you do check out his music and what dates this we're on. Uh, if you can, attend the, the reading. This ends another episode of Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. Catch you the next time. Bye for now. <laughs>